0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions
1: apply. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. And welcome to the continuation of our G1 Climax podcast. And this is a special free edition. Isn't this fun way? It is, yeah. And it's funny
0: how this worked out, because... Um, Not planned. No, like, we when we decided to make this particular review free, of course, uh, most of our, all of our G1 reviews typically are part of our Patreon uh, bonus shows, which is uh, postwrestlingcafe.com, but uh, we didn't know that New Japan World was also going to be showing their show for free today as well.
1: They clearly are listening, yeah. and they thought, you know what, so many people are listening to this podcast that... Let's, let's jump on the post-wrestling bandwagon. Let's, let's milk something out of these guys. Make the goddamn show free. And Harold May, probably a patron, thought, you know what? These guys are on to something. Screw New Japan World. We're making this show free. Because John and Way have such a voice that this is the show we're going to showcase to the world. I'm sure
0: Harold May, Gato, uh, probably all sat around the table and just said, you know what? I think this is the one.
1: And then one of the wrestlers walked into the room overhearing this debate and just said, John Pollock, Wei Ting, fuck him. (laughs) All right. Wei has been a great sport today because as many of you know, I am in the midst of moving this weekend and it it is a little chaotic in Pollock land. So Wei Ting, who is typically a night person has been up bright and early this morning to watch this show uh, so he could do the show with me. So a big thank you, way I very much appreciate oh,
0: it. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely am a night person. So much so that I actually ended up watching this live, this show. So uh, I have a, a medium coffee with me. I, I kind of snuck a bit of sleep in when I can, but I'm I am I'm ready to go. Oh,
1: God. Did I wake you
0: up with my text message? Mm, you didn't wake oh. me up. No, I was about to wake up anyway. I mean, I, I had to. <laughs> that means you're asleep. <laughs> Uh yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was trying I'm to sorry. catch catch up some sleep before we started to, to record again, but uh I'm I'm good. I'm good right now. I I have to comment,
1: John. You're not moving into a cave, are you? <laughs> no, I'm currently broadcasting from a cave because that is my only option today, so uh bear with us folks. I think it just sounds uh just sounds a little mysterious.
0: That's all. Why don't we pretend that you're like in the Korakun Hall, but it's like emptied out?
1: Yeah, I'm underneath the bleachers. Yeah, sounds good. All right, uh, today's show was all A block. Uh, they second of three straight shows from Cora and Hall. And it started off with Michael Elgin and Jay White, both men with records of 2-0 and thus far in the tournament. Of course, Jay White getting two huge victories over Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Would Michael Elgin have the answer? It started off with chops from Elgin... And they teased a spot on the floor where Elgin placed two chairs together in the front row. And he was going to deliver a vertical suplex to Jay White onto the chairs. Thankfully, this was stopped by Jay White, who then attacked the ribs of Elgin and landing a Saito suplex. They go back into the ring. And Rocky Romero brings up a point that... I wonder how upset Michael Elgin is that Jay White lost his U.S. title because now there isn't a champion in the A block for all of these guys to have a backup in case they don't win the tournament, that they could pin the U.S. champion and get a future title shot. But Jay White has robbed them of that opportunity by screwing up in San Francisco.
0: I think that's a great point. I mean, obviously, I I don't know how much it'll really play into storylines. But I think as a color commentator who's trying to treat this as an actual sport, Rocky brings like really great insight for little things like this that I wouldn't normally think about. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think that Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero, it's a seamless transition from the three-man to the two-man. Um, given the fact that Don Callis, I don't even know when he'll be back because obviously with Slammiversary and the television tapings, he was not going to be around for the middle of the G1. Maybe he won't be back till that final weekend.
0: Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I I, I do like Callis. I actually like the three of them together because I think Callis brings a bit more personality into the mix, but Rocky really has been great, and and just the two of them I'm very happy
1: with. Elgin took off his elbow pad, not as much selling the the right arm as he was in his second match coming off uh, his first tournament match on opening night, night. Uh, but... Hit this heavy striking exchange. Elgin always shows tons of fire. Just screaming at the top of his lungs. And the audience always eats it up. Uh, He landed a top rope splash for a near fall. Then they went to the edge of the apron. And what was supposed to happen was Jay White getting him up for a Kiwi Crusher. And they totally lost their footing. Fell down to the floor. Uh, They could have fallen at a much more uh, dangerous angle. They seemed to be okay. And... I thought they recovered okay, but this was, like, a glaring error.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, uh, thankfully or not, thankfully, uh, Michael Elgin took the brunt of this fall anyway, so I feel like they could have just continued, Uh, and they did just continue the match as if, you know, Elgin took whatever he was supposed to take.
1: Yeah, they just went through, and Elgin came in at the count of 19, which was probably the intended spot anyway, Mm. with him making the, the countout save. Blade Runner gets blocked, then Elgin blocks a Saito suplex with a knee to the face, half-dragon suplex, lariat, and tiger bomb. So if you're going to have a a big screw-up in the middle of the match, you come back with a sequence like that. Uh, And this audience was just just as into it as before. Mm -hmm. They went for a buckle bomb spot. Where Marty Asami goes down. I'm not sure how, if you watch this, Marty Asami was no. injured because he never came into contact.
0: Well, okay. It, I think you have to maybe watch a bit um, closely looking for it. But um, I believe Jay White was grabbing Asami on his way to the turnbuckle. And you know, referees, you know? Oh, you so on. The,
1: the The shirt grab was enough to send Marty Asami to the oh. ground. Yeah. I've got to watch closer. You need a zoom in feature for these ref bumps. Uh, Jay White hits a low blow and Kevin Kelly is covering stating Marty Asami's face was down he couldn't have seen that low blow and he hits the Blade Runner and wins the match at 17 minutes and 45 seconds um, I-, I thought this was a, uh, a medium coffee with a with a milk I went medium
0: coffee with a uh, cream for me as well um, I-, I I think Elgin, though you know I think it's
1: He's been great in this tournament. He
0: has looked spectacular, like physically, I, he's in the best shape I've, I've seen him. He stands out in all these matches with his like incredible chops, his really great offense and he's just he's just like in my opinion if we're just doing like, you know, we're, if we're just grading individual performances, to me he would be up there certainly in a block. Um I appreciate the push that they're giving, you know, a new prospect like Jay White. I think he's great, um but I just I don't know if the performances in these matches he's been giving has lived up to the push that he's been receiving. So, um, you know, the match was was good. One medium, one cream, or one milk. But I, I would say by the end of this week, probably forgettable.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, save for maybe the main event, I think that's going to be the case for, for everything on this show. I, I thought it was good. You're right. And uh, I've seen worse, but we've definitely seen better. Minoru Suzuki, Yoshihashi, both men 0-2 records. Uh, Suzuki goes after the injured right shoulder of Yoshihashi, which is taped up. He wraps it around the post, grabs a chair, just swings it away, um, and then runs him uh, shoulder first into the barricade. Uh, maybe my nitpick of the day, which I, I might uh, add, is Marty Asami taking this this bump at the end of one match, and then he's refereeing the very next match. <laughs> Like is yeah. that
0: too much of a nitpick? Um I okay. In New Japan, no, not really, cuz um it's it's been a an ongoing issue, the inconsistency. Uh but I mean it doesn't surprise me, you know? Like it's it, it it's been the, like this the entire
1: tournament. I think it's weird whenever you just see a referee in two consecutive matches. I mean, that never happens in WWE. If it does, it's extremely rare.
0: The way they've been doing it uh, thus far has been, I think, Asami doing the first three matches and then Red Shoes doing the latter uh, two.
1: Well, I mean, if a guy's getting knocked down, that could be a possible concussive blow he has taken to the head. So he should have at least one match off. Mm. The penalty kick gets caught by Yoshihashi after he was killed for the first five and then hit this very clumsy-looking blockbuster onto Suzuki. There was a shot that grazed the head of Suzuki, and he's stumbling around like he's lost his balance. And then Suzuki comes back, goes for the gotch, it's countered. Suzuki's wincing in pain as the butterfly lock is applied, and then Suzuki, with a big striking exchange, is met with a super kick. Suzuki scrambles out of the butterfly lock, and then hits the gotch pile driver. Wins the match at 13 minutes and 34 seconds, and... Kevin Kelly was so positive that Minoru Suzuki was winning this match that the second he hit the Gotch pile driver, Kelly was already announcing his victory before the count even occurred. This was the opposite of a Vince McMahon 80s near-fall call. Uh, uh, Right, okay. Oh, and he has a man... No, he doesn't. No. This time he's like, and Minoru Suzuki is going to get his first two points. Yes, he does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I personally still continue to quite enjoy Yoshihashi in these matches. I like his selling. I like his fire. There is there is no denying that he certainly maybe lacks a, a, a certain type of appeal and charisma amongst this audience. I mean, that butterfly locker, whenever he slaps it on, really doesn't receive, receive all that big of a reaction. Uh, but I continue to cheer him on maybe as some type of underdog. Uh he like at the end of all this, he remains pretty much the only guy without a win in in the block um but I mean Suzuki here, good as usual, uh less memorable performance than his previous two matches. I go medium one cream one sugar even for
1: this, oh wow, yeah, dare I say it i'm i'm gonna I'm gonna use the full scale way I'm going small coffee, one milk, one sugar on this one, yes, yes. Yeah, we don't get. We're not giving out enough small coffees here, and I'm sorry. Yo- Yoshihashi, I thought showed some uh, some moments in this match. Maybe maybe the best of his three thus far. But I'm I feel we're gonna get one good performance out of Yoshihashi, like one match where we're like that was really good stuff.
0: Man, I think he's been good. So maybe maybe it's just it just comes down to how much you like the guy for a match like this.
1: Uh, I think it's also comparing against the field. I think you have maybe a better way of just kind of watching a match on its own and being able to look at a guy's strength. I'm just looking at, I'm comparing match to match as well. And where everyone is Mm. kind of, uh, I see like there is a, there's an internal competition here on these shows where everyone is trying to stand out. Yoshihashi. I can't say I was thinking about him at the end of this show.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay.
1: I like it. I like difference of opinion. Then we had one of the scariest moments of the tournament. Kevin Kelly announces the finish, and then Rocky Romero announces he has to leave. And for a minute, Django is left with Kevin Kelly. And I thought I was going to switch over to Japanese commentary because there was no way I was listening to Django calling a match with Kevin Kelly. Uh But thankfully, this looked like a legit bathroom break Romero took because he was back in time for the next match.
0: Uh, And and I think announcers are probably allowed for that. Yeah. Uh I
1: think that should absolutely be allowed. I don't know how Kevin Kelly does it. Maybe no coffees. Maybe no water at all. You've always heard Jim Ross's uh, preparation for long shows. What's that? What's his preparation? He's like, always wear dark pants. (laughs) He's like, wear wear your darks. (laughs) I was like, so you just go. Like, WrestleMania. (laughs) It's full scale. Like, what are you going to do? You're calling... An entire WrestleMania event. Well, I mean, there are video packages for WrestleMania. Could you imagine Jim Ross in the middle of the Sky Dome, and we've got a three-minute Hogan Rock package, and he's going to run to the back for the bathroom mm-hmm. in three minutes? That, I'm sure that happens all the time. That's not an enjoyable piss. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh,
0: now that they do, like, or, or for the past several years when they've done the brand split with two announced teams, I mean, I'm sure they're much more thankful for that reason.
1: That was always a story, like Booker T during a pay-per-view once, just he just got up and went to the back, like he had to go. Mm. I've seen Mike Goldberg do that at a UFC show, I just saw him run to the back and then run back to the cage side. I think we should
0: stop entire pay-per-views uh, whenever the announcer needs to go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah, no more complaints about intermissions on, on live events. Yeah. The announcers need a break and they never get thought of here. So. Hey, not not just the
0: announcers but the cameramen, you know, all the people that actually have to do work consistently throughout the entire show. Yeah.
1: Totally. Totally. I think that Rocky Romero is going to start a movement here. Uh, uh right. Yes. A lineup if you will. Evil took on Togi Makabe. Evil coming into this with two points, Makabe with four. Neck uh the neck of Togi Makabe was uh snapped in half with the chair shot. I'm just trying to get all, all of... Our, we need a list. What's allowed, what's not allowed. Oh, you mean like that, That yeah, the thing where Evil uh, wraps
0: the, the chair around a dude's head and swings a baseball bat. Well, I mean, Asami was clearly watching this whole thing. He allowed it, no problem. I, I mean, I couldn't understand maybe this one because technically Evil doesn't necessarily make contact with the opponent's head. He is hitting a chair... That just happens to be wrapped around the opponent's head.
1: So it's the opponent's fault, really, for getting his, his head wrapped around a chair. So if you and I got into a horrible argument, and you shot me, yeah. would the policeman, ex- would you try that, that excuse? I didn't actually touch him with anything. The bullet killed him. No. no. Well,
0: that's a proje- I mean, that's a projectile that I'm sending directly from my weapon.
1: So I don't think that would well, work. This chair didn't just magically fly in the air out of evil's hands and Wait make contact. So now if if I shot at
0: a, like a catapult lever and the catapult ended up directly aiming at you uh, and my bullet ended up triggering the catapult and you got hit by it, maybe I'd have an argument.
1: So there needs to be like two degrees of separation points before... Between uh, target and weapon, I'm sure that's what Evil was going for. Yeah, so maybe Budokan Hall, Evil's gonna have a catapult and a machine gun. Mm. They go up into the bleachers. Uh, Makabe's uh, neck healed, and he blocked the lariat, hit his own onto the floor. Audience was very hot for Makabe uh, throughout this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evil used his uh, his banshee muzzle that he introduced last year, but doesn't always. Uh, typically get over and wasn't the case here makabe got out of it fairly quickly evil reapplied it while he was bending the left arm and shoulder of makabe who got out and hit these big overhand chops to the neck and trapezius muscle and then there's a double lariat spot evil goes down but then hits his own lariat hits everything is evil and wins the match at 10 minutes and 17 seconds another okay
0: match i felt uh nothing in here that really jumped out to me that that you know, again, tells me that I would remember this maybe a few days from now. All the brawling in the crowd, um, you know, seems to really engage the audience there, but really does nothing for me at home.
1: They've Uh, really fallen, they've fallen in love with uh, going into the bleachers, like throughout the Super Juniors, and it's extended now to the G1. Like, we've seen several of these.
0: Yeah, don't get me wrong, if I was there live, I mean, please come, come to my section. Do a body slam in my section. That'd be awesome. Not if I was on the floor.
1: If you just knock my seat fifteen feet away, I'd be furious. Mm.
0: Yeah, uh, I go one medium, one cream for this one.
1: I went medium dark
0: here, so that's black. Yes, like just medium. We we have to explain this for in case some people are listening <laughs> for the first. You, time. Do
1: you want to give a quick uh, refresher on our?
0: Uh, <laughs> our I'm really, scale? I'm really not the one to do it. I hate this scale. This was a John Pollock invention
1: uh i guess uh, our coffees uh, range from small to extra large way drinks his coffee with cream i with milk so if we add a milk or a milk and sugar that's above and beyond just a standard
0: okay sized coffee i guess so now if the way i kind of see it too okay is a small is one star medium is two stars a large is three stars XL is four stars. And the elusive five-star double XL, I think, has yet to, to be achieved. But uh, creams and sugars, obviously, are kind of partial stars.
1: All right. So everyone's going to be just super confused when WH should start talking about sandwiches on Saturday. Yeah, you? I think so. <laughs> this will be our turnoff. Uh, then we had Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Bad Luck Fale. Both men with two points. I meant to bring this up, and this isn't some new theme song. He's had it forever. I really enjoy Bad Luck Fale's theme music.
0: You know, I don't even know
1: if I really recognize it.
0: How does it, it... sounds like
1: this? These weird chants that are going on, like this tribe. Is he saying? Just...
0: Is he chanting "fuck em?
1: No, there's no vulgarity in this theme song. But maybe a remix is coming. Mm. I have a lot of thoughts on this group that we will get to throughout this match. And into the main event, actually. I even have a theory there. Tangelo is in his corner. Red Shoes is the referee, not Marty Asami, who I guess they've cited for a conflict of interest now with these gorillas. Uh, Tanahashi jumps Fale and attacks the left knee right out of the gate and takes Fale off his feet. And eventually they go to the floor. Tanahashi is sent over the barricade onto a table. And then Fale grabs a chair and starts threatening to attack Red Shoes with this chair, which allows Tangaloa to attack Tanahashi. So you know where this match is going. Mm-hmm. Fale threw him into the empty seats, sending the uh, the most expensive ticket buyers into a frenzy. And then he worked the lower back of Tanahashi. He's raining down strikes. This would have been a 10-8 round. Fale tells Loa, it's too easy. And then Rocky Romero starts pondering, what would happen if... If the finals of the G1 at Budokan Hall were bad luck, Fale versus Tamatonga. And I can assure Rocky Romero that that is a completely unnecessary worry. <laughs> yeah, pretty safe bet. Tanahashi hits a desperation dragon screw, and then another one goes for a sunset flip, but Fale sits down on top of him. The grenade gets avoided, and Fale hit a Samoan drop and then sets him up for the bad luck fall. Tanahashi turns it into a Hurricane Rana. And then a rare screw-up of the Sling Blade. And I don't know who was out of position here, but this Sling Blade was not hit. And they just kept going through it. But notable during a Tanahashi match, because you kind of take for granted just how flawless this guy's execution is. Mm. High Fly Flow is missed. And then Fale hits a grenade for a two-count. The Bad Luck Fall gets countered with a Sling Blade, which was totally redeeming here. This was a great counter. And hits the high fly flow, the move that just about no one kicks out of. And he gets one, two, and Red Shoes is pulled to the floor by Tangaloa. And everyone's furious. Mm -hmm. Fale then misses with a lariat, hitting Tangaloa. And the sling blade is hit to Fale, and out of nowhere comes Tamatonga with the gun stun. This did get heat, and Red Shoes is just gaining consciousness... He crawls over, Fale is going for the pinfall, and Red Shoes hesitates, he's got that look on his face like he's not sure what he's going to do, and then he just shakes his head, he gives them the middle finger and gives them the disqualification at sixteen twenty-seven. So Tanahashi gets the two points. I'm sure a polarizing match for, for many Way, How did you come down on this match? Hmm, yeah, well, I think I had suspected all the
0: cheating that That was taking place in in all these uh, earlier matches was going to lead up to something. I'm glad to see here that at least it's confirmation that we are getting an evolving story here between the cheating of the Bullet Club and the referee's reactions to it. So here, uh, they really kind of built up to that moment of Red Shoes saying he was going to go along with the pin, but then deciding, you know what, fuck that. Fuck them. Fuck those Bullet Club guys. Giving the double fingers. To the Bullet Club, and then going ahead with the DQ, he got the biggest pop of the of the whole match. So I'm sure W.H. is gonna hate this. The fact that Red Shoes, Stone Cold Red Shoes here, um, <laughs> double birding the the Tongans and, and baby facing himself like this. Uh, but for me, I thought it was an, it was nice to see the story at least take another step forward. And I feel again like it's all probably done for some type of reason. Uh, as much as people might probably hate it uh, in the G1. I go medium, one milk, one sugar for this one.
1: I'm at the same ranking. I would have been way more negative on this match had it just been Fale getting the victory after all the run-ins and stuff. I don't feel like Fale and Tonga and Loa are necessarily getting across as these hated villains. I think it's more people just annoyed that these matches are just so overbooked, Mm -hmm. which I think they're desperately uh, getting to the edge on for fans you know, kind of acceptance of these kinds of finishes, because they're just, they're so overdone in this tournament, and it's not just these guys. It's also the Jay White match with Okada, uh, or Tanahashi, rather. I guess both, you could say. Tonight. Uh, The one tonight. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, there's just a lot of it in the G1, and I feel this audience, it's just, it's not heel heat. It's just annoyance at these overbooked finishes. So, I'm glad at least they did the DQ here, and... Did establish that these ridiculous run-ins are just not because the inconsistency just drives me nuts on these that you're trying to suspend disbelief here. So at least the finish I thought salvaged it. They attacked Tanahashi afterwards, and Fale went to the announcers and just said, "Fuck them." Hmm. Yeah, I
0: wonder what the end game is with with this storyline. You know, like a are we going to see more involvement from Red Shoes? I mean, I think we can guarantee that we will, but uh, to what extent?
1: I don't know how much more you can go beyond this, which is your question of should red shoes really be the big talking point coming out of a match like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Main event time. Kazuchika Okada against Hangman Page. Okada, no wins since his loss to Kenny Omega at Dominion. Hangman Page comes in with two points and Okada has even more balloons this time around. He's got these long yellow balloons. He's got regular balloons. These, yeah, the,
0: the, the, the long yellow ones. Like, if there's any doubt as to whether or not this guy was intentionally trying to look goofy, I think that's that was total confirmation right there.
1: Paige sent him to the floor and set up for a suicide dive, but twists in midair and just, like, plops down on top of Okada's legs. This was, like, the most uncomfortable landing of a dive I've seen in quite some time. I, I, was, I didn't know if Okada
0: was already on the ground or, or what. Like, it looked odd that he was even going for any, anything there.
1: Yeah, we always talk about when a guy's coming off the top rope and he goes face first into a guy's boot that he gets up and you question it, with the angle he was coming off the top, what was he going to do if that foot didn't come up? And this was one of those where it was like, well, we got to see what happened here if a guy was down and how he lands this dive. And Paige is calling him a piece of shit and he's upset because he's not getting the best version of Okada. He's getting this distracted, strange version of Okada. Okada sent him over the guardrail with a running boot, and Paige comes back with the buckshot lariat, and Kevin Kelly notes, no replays tonight, but that move was picture perfect. No replays, unfortunately. I mean, you get the show for free. Stop complaining. Yeah, they had to put their resources elsewhere. Paige missed a moonsault in the ring that even if Okada had stayed put... Page would have overshot him by many feet. This, like, he went over the midway point of the ring with this moonsault. Mm. Page hit a packaged tombstone that he's taken from Omega, and Okada gets on top and uh, the top turnbuckle and is stopped with a swinging neckbreaker. Page then hits a moonsault to the floor, and the audience was really getting into Page. It was pretty notable here. He hits a buckshot lariat for a near fall that featured a great call by Kevin Kelly for the near fall. Okada then reversed, hit a tombstone. Both men are down. Page ducks a Rainmaker. Third Buckshot Lariat gets ducked. And he counters the Rainmaker into a powerbomb and lands a rolling elbow. Really big response from the audience here. The rites of passage gets countered and you have this close-up of Okada. Like he just got serious near the end. And he hits the Rainmaker without any call for the Rainmaker. That is a staple. And he wins the match. 17 minutes, 32 seconds uh, so Okada gets his first two points. I thought, hands down, the best match on today's show. Mm-hmm. And one of Paige's best... Ma- this might have been Paige's best match I've seen him in. I thought he was great.
0: I'm trying to think if I've seen a better match. I feel like I have. And it wasn't not all that all that long ago. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, anyway.
1: I, He's I, had the match. You know, he had the match with Jay White uh, in Long uh, Long Beach. He's had... Okay. You know, he's had some some very good matches. Yeah. Um, this one, though, to me, it was more so him hanging as a main event. Like, he felt like a main event performer here.
0: Certainly, yeah. I mean, to me, he took center stage in this match. And it felt like, at times, Okada was just a body there for him. So, uh, I I mean, I feel like the audience reaction that, that kind of changed midway to, you know, uh, chanting for Adam Page more so even than Okada, I felt at times, was a reaction to... This feeling I had that here you have Okada that, you know, already has the crowd's favor. But to me, it looks like in these matches, he's not trying his best. Even if I'm just talking about the character. The characters there's, there's, something, there's something wrong with him. He's not himself. Meanwhile, you have Adam Page, who's just hungry. And he's just, like, putting in his complete effort in order to try to have the best performance of his life on the biggest stage against uh, Kazuchiko okada in the main event so i thought he won the crowd over for how hard he worked in, in this uh he won me over certainly um and the only maybe qualm i might have had was the fact that i almost felt it was too easy for okada to get the win after all that effort from page i mean granted it was the rainmaker but i mean man it made it look a little too easy like a guy who wasn't trying at all got beaten up this entire time and then one make r- rainmaker maker and he wins Nonetheless, uh, Page continues to really make the most of this opportunity. He's impressing me a lot. Um, And Okada is continuing to to tell that story. But I I think I'm ready to see the old uh, Okada start to come back. Uh, I go one one cream large for this one.
1: Damn, I had the same. I had a large with one milk. I thought like five minutes into this match that... Granted, they probably have so many months laid out and they have plans for all of these guys, but I'm just looking at how much more effective would the angle in San Francisco had been of Hangman Page turning on his best friend Cody and he's the one leading Fale and Tonga and Tangaloa. Because I watched this match, Page is a guy that can lead a group. The Tongans do not have a leader in that group. And I think it's unquestionable at this point, of Page. Uh, you can't even compare what Tamatonga has done in this G1 versus Hangman Page. To me, he has been the real standout, and he's kind of this background player in the Bullet Club that is now emerging as a featured player. The problem is, though, if they did that, I think you
0: would have seen a DQ finish for something like this match. You know? Well,
1: I, 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 I hate the booking of that. I don't think it's really helping them at all, so... I disagree with that booking style to begin with, but to me it's Hangman Page seems to me is the the real breakout so far. Definitely. Yeah, I mean,
0: more so than Jay White for me in terms of in-ring at least.
1: Yeah. Like, I I think Jay White's performing pretty well, um, but Hangman Page I thought was tremendous here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was my favorite match on the card, although I'm going to say none of these five matches to me uh, cracked my top five or... um, you know, this was maybe from start to finish, maybe the weakest of the G1 shows so far. I agree. I'm, I'm with you there. All right. Well, that was it. Um, do you have an updated list, way? We were yeah. going to give people our our top five matches after five days of G1 shows. Uh, so why don't you go first? Sure. Okay. My top five from
0: starting from number five. Uh, I still have Toriano versus Tomohiro Ishii from the. F- First, second night, second night in my uh, top five. I just really enjoyed that match, and I wanted it in the top five because it offered some different flavor. I think Toriano has one of the more interesting stories and one, one of the more interesting match types and styles. Period in this entire tournament, the two matches he's had, one with against Ishii, the other against Sabre Jr., have both not necessarily been technical marvels, but they've been incredibly engaging, and they've been fun to watch and memorable. So I wanted at least one of his matches in here. Uh, at number four, bumping out whatever I had here. Uh, I think I bumped out Evil versus... Uh, sorry, Elgin versus Page, which was really good too. But bumping that out is last night's uh, Kenny Omega versus uh, Hiroki Goto match. I thought that match was very good. Most people for, I've, I've seen um, have rated the... Uh, what is it? Uh, the Naito Ishii match from last night higher. I mm-hmm. personally connected with the Omega match a bit more. I thought it had some spe- spectacular high spots, courtesy of Kenny. Uh, I thought great flow back and forth between the two. Meltzer, actually, it's worth noting, he rated both la- both of last night's main and semi-main events five stars. Oh, really? So, yeah, he did. Wow. Yeah, he, he's been handing those stars out like over the past week. Th- this Those two matches and the uh, NXT uh, tag team
1: match, he I- gave five stars. Uh, that tag match, we're not going to go into NXT, but that tag match is phenomenal stuff from last week.
0: I, I've yet to see it. I've been kind of busy, but uh, a lot of great wrestling so far. Uh, and my top three have haven't changed. Uh, at number three, I have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus uh, Minoru Suzuki. Uh, just, a, again, a, an excellent match. I believe that was from night one. Yes. And then uh, Kota Ibushi versus Sex Saber Jr. And Tetsuya Naito versus Kenny Omega at number one. Those two are both from the first night of the b block so night two
1: all right so i have a few a little bit different number five for me is kenny omega and hiroki goto from day four number four is hiroshi tanahashi and minoru suzuki from the opening night uh number three i placed the tetsuya naito tomohiro yishi match from day Mm -hmm. four as my third match um Just below Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr., which I kept at number two, and still on top for me is Kenny Omega and Tetsuya Naito. So for my top five, uh, four of the five are B-block matches, which if you're uh, just going to pick and choose, day two and day four are two of the best cards this year. So I would highly recommend those days if you're just uh, catching up. Um, yeah, there's been some tremendous matches uh, thus far, um, yeah. as evidenced by other people in their ratings as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we go, I wanted to get a k- quick update from uh, our man Chris Engler, who's been manning our G1 Climax 2018 contest over at postwrestling.com slash G1. He's been uh, posting updates like every day almost, like almost right away after these shows have concluded. So it's incredible. uh, Thank you so much again, Chris, for for just offering all of your free time to this. Uh, We all thank you. Uh, Just to update everybody on on the points themselves from the participants. In A Block, we have in first place, all by himself, Jay White. With six points. The man is undefeated so far. And then there's a tie between four people for second place with four points, and that's Evil, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Michael Elgin, and Togi Makabe. And then a tie for third, uh, another faraway tie. We have Bad Luck Fale, Adam Page, uh, Kazuchiko Kata, Minoru Suzuki, all with two points. And the lonely, lonely bottom, Yoshihashi, fourth place, zero points. Over on B-Block, uh, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi are leading that with uh, four points each. Those two are undefeated. Uh, in second place, pretty much uh, most of the pack is tied with two points. And that's Goto, Sonata, Tama Tonga, Tetsuya Naito, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, and Zack Sabre Jr. And then at last place, we have a tie between Juice Robinson and Toru Yano, who are both winless thus far. And... As for oh, this is a this is the big update. There's uh Chris Engler specifically messaged us saying there was a big swing amongst our, our participants in our contest. Yes. Who says yesterday yesterday there was a three way tie for first place with sixteen points, but as of today, twenty-eight people are now tied for first place with nineteen points. And I can't even go through all these names because there's so many of them, but uh congratulations to taking the lead to one of you twenty eight, and that includes Brent. Calvin Berry, David Piggott, Dominic Cotone, Guac, H- Haddo Dove, Hugh Saunders, um, Matt Girardi, Matthew Smith, Shane Richardson, Zachariah Edmondson. That doesn't sound like a real name at all. But Neither does Guac. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations all of you for being in 19th place. I hope you keep your lead. If you want an update on how I'm doing, 15 points for me. So I'm hanging in there, but I mean, people are slowly running away from it. Something cool that uh, Chris actually has done that I forgot to mention last night was he has made picks using like a random bot, like oh, just really? to, just to see how like a random bot would fare in the G1. Uh, so let me let me just dig up um Rando Bot 2000 score so far. And RandoBot2000 currently has 11 points in our contest. And that's better than actually a lot of people. Like, I only have 15. WH, I'm sorry, you only have 13. So not not that far behind from
1: us. So there you go. All right. Well, on Saturday... Wei is going to be joined by WH Park. I'll be back on Sunday, but Saturday's uh, card from Corcun Hall will feature Toriano against Kota Abushi, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata, Juice Robinson against Tetsuya Naito, Kenny Omega versus Tematonga, that everybody is going to be uh, focused on. And the main event, Tomihiro Ishii against Hiroki Goto. I'm pretty uh, safe in assuming this should be a pretty solid card on Saturday. And before we go, I want to make. Uh, a special thank you uh, to, I'm sure he's listening right now, a guy who I am very pleased oh, to announce. Oh, yes. Yes. That I will be in business with for the next five years. Wow. Roberto Alomar, who was signed for $3.47 million of my own dollars. Oh so from now through November of 1999, I own this guy. Wow, a five-year deal. That's huge. Uh, This was not not an easy negotiation. There were some words exchanged. There was a lot of – you also get a rating uh, based on an emoji of how happy someone is, and he had a frown face. He's still upset, (laughs) actually, uh, over how these negotiations went. Um, I don't want to say he's kind of dogging it this season, but we're two months (laughs) into the 94 season, and let's just say – not exactly earning his money yet. So, Roberto Alomar, it's it's May of 1994 and all eyes are on you.
0: Oh, that's too bad. I mean, business tends to sour relationships unfortunately. Uh hopefully he can swing things around. As a fan, I'm very glad to see him stay uh in Toronto for 94. Uh how's your team doing in general? So,
1: we're having a better year so far. As I said, we're into May We had a really good start in April. We were only two games out of first. May was a very bad month for us. We are now 12 and a half games out of first, but that's still third. So there is no wild card at this time yet in Major League Baseball's history. So I am looking from behind at the Yankees and Orioles. However, I didn't go crazy in the offseason and just spend all my extra money because my farm system is pretty great. I have brought up uh, a young guy by the name of Carlos Delgado. Mm -hmm. I have also discovered uh, Sean Green. Yeah. And my bench is pretty strong right now. We're getting better pitching. Uh, Paul Molitor is on the last year of his deal, and he's had all of one game that I've started him in, so he is probably gone. I hope he's not listening to this. Um, We're seeing improvements, but this this is a five-year plan. Well... Uh,
0: I'm curious to know what the audience thinks of your move. I'm sure some would be in disagreement with you spending that money on Roberto Alomar. But uh, I'm, you know, it, it, this continues to be a very intriguing season for, Well, for you, the baseball mogul.
1: Like any successful owner way, I spent all of this money <laughs> while also increasing the price of my tickets. So the fans are paying for this. Oh, no, well, thank you. You're just a shrewd <laughs> business yeah. <laughs> Aren't you got you it, way. You got to. It's, you know how much tickets cost to a Jays game in 94 for me? How much? They went up from $4.30 to $4.50. So <laughs> you better be contacting your, your bank to get those <laughs> season tickets. Yeah, I need a loan. Fuck All those. right. Well, I'm going to finish this 94 season at some point, and everyone will get the update. But welcome into the fold, Roberto Alomar. Start earning that money. Mm-hmm. Well, that will wrap it up. But wait, for those that maybe are sampling this for the first time, how can they follow along for the remaining uh, G1 shows? Yes, please join us at the Post
0: Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon page. Uh, Any support uh, starting from $6 and above grants you access to all of our bonus audio, not just including our G1 bonus shows, which continue throughout the week, but also uh, up now on the feed today is our latest edition of Rewind Away, covering... Uh, WCW Nitro episode 100. This was a choice from one of our executive producers who chose this show because of this monumental closing segment between Lex Luger and Hollywood Hulk Hogan, uh, one of the Nitro's uh, most famous uh, moments. So uh, do check that out. That And then uh, on Monday, we have the Double Shot coming out, uh, and that's where we cover all of our uh, Total Bellas news, uh, all of our extra news that we can't fit on Rewind or Raw. Um, And then on the free feed, what do we have coming up, John, this weekend?
1: We've got... A number of shows this weekend. Saturday morning, Chris Charlton's latest uh, eggshells uh, podcast companion will be up. He's going to be joined by his brother chatting about the 1993 Tokyo Dome cards. His book is now out on the history of wrestling at the Tokyo Dome. And then Sunday night on the free feed, Nate Milton returns. He's going to be reviewing Slammiversary with myself. And Wei Ting is going live to cover the event in Toronto. So he will join us after the card as well for a live perspective so uh lots of content both at postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com coming up this weekend uh, because we have g1 saturday sunday and monday before a break uh yeah it's a lot of wrestling yep (laughs) and that is going to wrap it up for us so thanks to everyone for tuning in and we will speak with you later this weekend